everyone and welcome back to the Sustainable Steepover Club. Remember, you can keep up with us on Twitter or Instagram as well. Today's brilliant guest is Sophie Wiseman. Sophie is an amazing violinist and is deaf. In a video by the Central Film School London entitled A Film About Sophie, a musician who is also deaf, she described in the opening lines, music is something very powerful. For me, it's always there. She grew up in a musical household and her mother even said that there was no doubt in anyone's head that she was always going to play the violin. At the age of two, she was no longer able to follow directional sound, which was when an audiologist ran tests and they found out that Sophie was completely deaf in one ear and her hearing levels weren't perfect in the other. She plays in orchestras and ensemble settings as well. She is truly a musical talent and we are so lucky to be hearing her from her today. Hi Sophie, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Um, it's finally sunny, so nice to have you here. Yeah, such good weather. Yeah, um, amazing. So I suppose to head straight into the first question. Um, when did you first start playing the violin? So I actually started when I was four years old. Um, my grandma played the violin and I'd always looked up to her and um, was inspired by her. And so I begged my mum for lessons and I started at four. Wow, that's amazing. You started so young. Wow. <laughs> could barely hold it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Um, so why do you think you kind of gravitated towards the violin rather than any other instrument? Did you kind of listen to your grandmother playing? Um, yeah, it definitely started from my grandmother. Um, I listened to her when I was growing up and my, gran uh, my granddad also played piano, so I got to listen to them playing together. And I guess there's not really an explanation as to why I wanted to play violin, other than I just really loved it. And it was something I was drawn towards. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, it, it just even hearing you talk about it, it sounds like you love it so much, which is amazing. Um, so in what ways did you kind of learn to play or practice the instrument differently um, because of your hearing impairment? Um, so as you said, obviously, I lost my hearing at two. So when I first started the violin, I already had my hearing loss. And I think through that, when I learned to play, I was already adapting, just as you do in everyday life, in school settings and, you know, social settings, you learn to adapt. And so I think as I was learning, I learned to play in a way that worked for me. And um, I guess compared to you know other violinists i re rely a lot more on um, the vibrations through the violin to help with intonation i rely a lot more on the feel of where my finger goes and then i memorize it that way but what's interesting is i actually started learning the violin with the suzuki method and the suzuki method um you learn through playing by ear which of course as a deaf person um could potentially be challenging but I think that might have actually been one of the reasons that um, I overcame it so quickly because I learned to um, adapt through playing by ear and therefore learned to listen in a different way and understand it in a different way. Amazing. Um, and just kind of wondering, um, is your teacher like able or your whoever gives you lessons, are they kind of able to help you with that or have they had to adapt as well? Um, I think I've had now three teachers in my um, however many years it's been. I think it's been 13 years now of playing the violin. And um, I think they all approach it very differently. Um, I think 
as well as now I'm older, it's very easy to express myself and say what I need. When I was younger, not so much. Um, but yeah, my teacher now, um, he's called Mr. Smith and I have him at school. He's great. I've had him for about four years now. So he's learned how to uh, slightly adapt to it. And it's funny enough, I, he has to play it a lot more than I think he does with us, uh, with his other students. So I can look at his um, posture. I can look at his positioning and copy through that way rather than um, necessarily through uh, him talking and explaining things in the same way as he would to his other students. Okay, that's really interesting. And um, I suppose, have you faced any ableism or do you remember any times where you di were discriminated against because of your disability? I think for me anyways, I don't appear deaf. If you meet me in the street, people don't realise. I've gone sometimes several years and then I tell people and then they're really surprised. Some of my best friends even around me, you know, I forget to tell them. And suddenly a year in, I'm like, oh yeah, it's because I'm deaf. And they're like, wait, what? And it's a real shock to them. And so, I mean, I know when I was getting violin lessons and um, when my mother was first looking for lessons for me, uh, there was slight hesitation from teachers to take me on because I was deaf. But I think um, I rely on lip reading as my uh, one of my main sources of communication, as well as obviously um, picking up little bits of sound and putting it all together. And I think sometimes there's just a lot of stereotypes around it. But I would say personally, because I don't seem, I don't want to say seem, that's not the right word, but because people can't often tell, um, not directly, but, um, you know, there are a lot of stereotypes about being deaf. And there's also a lot of stereotypes about music and being deaf. And uh, it's actually really sad because it's meant that music is not accessible to as many deaf children and as de many deaf people as there should be. Absolutely. And are there any of those, you know, stereotypes in particular that stand out to you? Well, I mean, the first one is that deaf people can't do music. I think that's a pretty big one. Um, and sadly, that's a massive uh, thing. I mean, um, quite a lot of deaf schools, um, schools for the deaf, uh, just don't have music lessons for stop. Um, and I was actually involved in a set of workshops um, a bit earlier on. And there was one for primary school level. There was one for um, secondary school level and, and early years. And a lot of people turned up to the early years. A lot of people turned up to the primary years. And then as soon as it got to the secondary years, hardly anyone turned up because there's a massive gap now missing in between not only just giving music to deaf people and letting deaf children experience music, but actually supporting them and learning how to support them into becoming not just beginner musicians, but entering the music industry and, you know, following the passion where they can be. I've met some amazingly talented deaf musicians and it's sad that not everyone gets that chance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important that the opportunity is there for everyone. And also like we all do, you know our own hobbies in different ways and I think it's just um amazing to hear how you know you've adapted um but also everyone kind of has their own twist on things as well um so yeah absolutely that opportunity is so important um and do you have actually any advice for someone who wants to pursue music um I mean honestly you've just got to go for it um no one can stop you um, but they sure can not make it easy and you've just got to keep going. Um, I think the thing about music is it's such a powerful thing and I'm not just talking about people who are deaf here, but for anyone, it brings people together. 
It's something that connects us all. It's a language, but obviously you don't have to learn to speak it. Everyone can do it. And so you've really just got to go for it. Um, and don't let people tell you what you can and can't do, because there are a lot of assumptions out there. There are a lot of teachers. There are a lot of people who will go, you're deaf, you can't do music. And you've got to prove them wrong. You've just got to go for it and keep practicing. That's what makes a great musician. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think music is so powerful and, you know, it's a huge part of different cultures and what makes us as people, you know, interesting and what makes, you know, our different lives. But yeah, it completely brings people together. Um, so on that note, do you have any kind of personal dreams or what's your dream um, for your future as a musician? So I'm, I'm in my last year of school now um, doing my A-levels, but Next year, I've accepted my place at Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama. So I'll be going to music college and I'm very excited for that. So hopefully I'll keep um, working on my technique and uh, working on my individual violin playing and um, improve at that. But for me, um, I want to become a musician primarily, not a violinist. And I know that sounds quite, you know, like it could be the same thing, but I think there's a real difference here. You know, I don't want to become a soloist. I don't want to perform on my by myself as a solo violinist obviously i'd like to do that on the side if i could but i want to do music and by that i mean i want to share it with people i want to teach it i want to do workshops i want to make sure it's accessible to everyone else and actually i want to keep learning about different sides of music i've worked with some peruvian scissor dancers and i found that really interesting learning about peru and south american culture and um you know that's those sort of things that kind of bring people together and make sure that we can all be an advocate for people who get left behind, like deaf musicians and other people like that. Oh, wow. That is an amazing dream. Um, so I can't wait to hear about you in the future. Um, so what is one thing you'd like to see change in the music industry, um, especially, I suppose, for deaf people? Um, that's a good question. I think, I think actually the biggest problem with the music industry now is actually the, the lack of deaf musicians. I mean, there are lots of things that could change in the music industry to make it more accessible, um, including, you know, just simple things like the conductor knowing to look at a deaf person because they rely on lip reading or, um, you know, just more opportunities here and there. But at this point, there are hardly any deaf musicians established in the music industry. In fact, I probably know most of them um, and I can count it on two hands, you know. And so the biggest problem right now, honestly, is just the um, accessibility and getting rid of this notion that deaf people can't do music. And actually, the biggest support we need right now is teaching teachers how to teach young deaf musicians or teaching teachers that actually teaching a deaf child is not any different from teaching another child. You know, you adapt to the child you're teaching to teach them in the best way you can. And it's the same with deaf children and not every deaf child is the same. And so this is just a process that needs to kind of be re-ingrained into our system. But hopefully um, we can do that. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, representation in any field is so important because so often if people can't see themselves like that, stereotypes and assumptions come about like the stereotype that, you know, deaf people can't do music. So seeing that representation and other pe young people, seeing people like you playing music um, is just so important. And finally, um, why do you think music is in general important and what does it mean to you as Sophie? 
That's a very good question. It's, uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to go back to it here and be cheesy, but um, for me, music is, you know, it is just everything to me. And I think it's so important because, um, you know, I can, the amount of fun I've had playing, first of all, just fun and excitement and playing pieces repertoire that I love uh, with my friends and brings people together. But I think more than that, music can make a difference and music can make a change. Um, and this is, you know, in so many settings. Uh, in schools, it can help with mental health. Uh, in primary schools, it can help with, you know, learning and focus and attention. Um, it can help with sport, with coordination. Um, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, this is why it's so important that music is accessible to everyone. And it's so important that we keep doing these outreach projects, we keep getting it out there so that everyone can have access to music. Absolutely. Uh, a brilliant answer, an amazing note to end on. Um, and it has been a joy and an honour to chat to you today. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. everyone and welcome back to the sleepover section and um, so again that was just an amazing interview um, with Sophie and I learned so much already but I can't wait to chat, chat about it more and um, so first for our fun question so as we have covered it is nearly summer Um, well it's it's May it's summer but it's nearly summer holidays yeah Um, so if you could travel one place in the world where would it be? Um, <clears throat> oh my god, I sound really, really. Um, okay, um, I am going to say Italy. Um, and it's predominantly because the Eurovision is on it in Italy at the moment. <laughs> um, um, but also just Italy is really, really beautiful and I'd love to go there. And I think the architecture and like the art and everything is fab. So I do not speak any Italian, unfortunately. Yeah. It's a work I in progress. Like, we'll get there. I, but, um, I know that we can't give you any thoughts back because we don't watch it. But do you have any immediate Eurovision thoughts? for Oh my God, I absolutely do. <laughs> um, not a long spiel, but like... <laughs> I and you see, I'm really worried that I'm going to get the country wrong with this. I think it's Norway's song. I really, really hope it's Norway's song. Don't come for me. It's the one with the wolves, and they sing. Someone give that wolf a banana, and it's absolutely iconic, lads. It's such a banger. I hope that it sounds wins. so like Eurovision. I know. Oh, I was like, like, don't watch it. <laughs> I was like, this is a Eurovision moment right here. Um, so that's what I'm rooting for at the moment. I actually haven't seen all the acts, so I only saw a few. But um, I know we've seen Ireland. I did see Ireland's. We didn't get through the semis, lads. Yeah, no. Sad face. Um, but I thought I thought Brooke did really well. So um, it's disappointing, but what can you do? Um, but yeah, no, I am now rooting for Norway. <laughs> okay, That's Eve, where would you like to go? <laughs> um, when the leaving cert finishes, I will be heading off <laughs> immediately. Um, so it's just not really like where I'd love to go. Most of them are like, if I could pick anywhere when like money and time was not a constraint, I'd love to go to New Zealand, but that's a plan for after college. But right now the plan is interrelating. Yeah. And I'm going to Amsterdam, Paris, Toulouse, Bordeaux, Madrid and Barcelona, I think. So I'm so excited for summer to come properly. And this day, five weeks, I'm done. Like I'm done my exams. So I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. woo. Um, 
yeah, where would I don't know where my dream place would be, but in summer, I think when the leaving search starts, I would be <laughs> heading, <laughs> which is not very nice, but I would be heading off to Italy and we're doing like a train tour to like a few different places. We're doing Florence, Pisa, Rome, Sorrento, so a few different places. Um, and I love Italy because I have been, I haven't been to those places before, but I have been to Venice and Verona. So I love Italy. So at the moment, that's the place I'd like to travel to. So yeah. jelly, Amy. Yeah. So, so <laughs> and Enjoy the leaving so search. I know. Bye. I'm going to get my phone. Like, I have to delete Instagram and just stop seeing all your Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, I'll, I'll get back to it. Do <laughs> anyone, yeah. I, have, I have to say, like, speaking of the leaving search, does anyone else, like, read into this superstition? I absolutely do. I feel that, like, the leaving search starts, and that's precisely when Ireland gets its three weeks of good weather. Yeah. The leaving search yeah. ends and it just rains. Like, it does. It's a leaving wave. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone I don't but anyone who has hay fever has like the worst ever hay fever that oh three weeks oh my god okay so that was an amazing conversation with Sophie um and was there anything in particular that stood out for you guys well I think like literally the whole interview was amazing like mm-hmm. I literally got goosebumps like I'm not kidding um and one thing that she said that I, I really just like loved so much was music is like a language that you don't have to like learn to speak because everyone can like uh understand it and like communicate with music and it's just such a beautiful like way of phrasing like how because I think it's very hard to like explain how like music affects people like it's kind of like it's like art it's inexplicable you know what I mean it's just like it just does but I thought it was a, a really like interesting way of like talking about music because like I cannot really play music but when I like you know everyone's having a sing-along or this karaoke or like I'm at like mass and the choir is singing like it literally makes me tear up like it's so amazing how it can like touch you and like people can be singing like I you know that <laughs> I feel like everyone's been singing like in a pub and they all sing like Irish songs and like I'm so bad at knowing the words songs it's like Irish songs I don't even know and then but like it just like feels like culture and like you're part of like a big massive like community when everyone's like singing that song even if you don't know the words it just feels like a part of like who you are as a person like the way history kind of makes you the person yeah that's very yeah. cheesy I stuff. think no I think it's so true that like it's very much so like a language you don't have to learn mm-hmm. and I think that's an amazing kind of not even like directly communicating, but communicating our cultures, because as she was kind of saying, like music in South Africa or Peru is different to like traditional Irish music. But and and that's an amazing way of showing our different cultures. But at the same time, there's so many similarities as well, like the feeling it gives you and the feeling it will give like the local people. Um, and also just even like modern music, like even just dancing with your friends, like that's amazing feeling and it is community um and I think even like even if you are listening to the lyrics like a lot of it is like poetry especially like your favorite songs and I know like there's songs that um like me and my dad particularly like love and like are connected to and it's kind of because the lyrics are you know about that kind of relationship and I think there's just so many facets to music and also I really enjoy playing music um because I play piano and I think it's also just a really nice thing to learn how to play and it's very relaxing and I think it's she also brought up mental health and it is 
for me, both listening and like playing it, it's um, really great, like for relaxing and calming the mind as well. Mm -hmm. Gabby, I know you play music, so I just wonder. I do, yeah, no, I play the piano too. Um, (laughs) And some very, very poor fiddle. Um, (laughs) I'm hoping to improve on that later. But no, I absolutely agree with you. And I think I've played music since I was quite young and it's definitely, it's a connection. And I think especially what you're saying about like mental health, it's kind of, it's a relaxer and it's a way of getting to know people and of kind of like forming community and of just relaxing the evening, you know, like, um, I know, and it's ironic because it was for an exam, but I do music for the Leaving Cert and I know just being still feeling like I was doing study, but being able to just kind of go and like play through my pieces for the practical in the evening and feeling like I was being productive, but still being able to do something that I was enjoying was really, really nice, you know. So it is wonderfully connective, you know, and I think it's great that um, that a conversation is being opened up about accessibility um, when it comes to music, you know, even I suppose accessibility in general. I know I definitely haven't talked, I've thought about accessibility probably as much as I should have in the past, you know, and I think for me, especially when it comes to hard of hearing or deaf people, it probably wasn't until the pandemic that I talked about it too much. And I remember seeing someone advocating on Instagram for, um, it was like a mask with a kind of a plastic paneling in the middle um, so that people who lip read would still be able to lip read even during the pandemic when we all had to wear masks. And I kind of, it just thought hadn't even occurred to me. Do you know what I mean? You know, and I was like, I was like, wow, you know, it hadn't even occurred to me that this this would be a difficulty for um, deaf and hard of hearing people during the pandemic, not being able to lip read um, and having to maybe have some interpreter or use an interpreter all the time, you know, so. And even like I thought it was really interesting that she talked about both accessibility and also like adapting because all of us like like me and my best friend both play piano um and I know you do Gabby as well and like even at that we we learn differently like I very much so I'm not as musical as her and I will learn by learning the notes and playing the notes and practicing loads of times and it will like go into my head and I like play it and all those things where she can like listen to music and be able to play it and I absolutely think that's amazing but like that's how she can learn music and if she doesn't feel it she finds it very hard to do what I do and just read the music so like we both have different skill sets even though we're playing the same instrument and I think that's really interesting so like even though we we're we both can hear and we're not deaf um or don't have any like disability that impairs us from playing music we still adapt and we still play differently and our teachers have to adapt to how to teach that and I think like that's what she was kind of saying in that um like everyone is adapting all the time it's just hers is a bit more like I suppose obvious and a bit um like just adapt a bit more and I thought that was really interesting and also what you're saying about accessibility like with music I mean my piano lessons are um 20 euros for every lesson weekly and then the exams are like over 40 euros um so like for someone like for a lower income household that is like that is that is a luxury you know to be able to pay for that um and also like if you don't have the time it takes an awful lot of practice if you don't have the time because you know you're babysitting someone you're trying to make money um or you're trying to get through school and do all these different things or you're using public transport then 
I mean, it's just going to be really inaccessible. And I think we need to adapt to all the different ways that there's barriers to music and to everything, really. Um, but I think particularly in music, there is currently barriers. Yeah, like, I, and that's so true. And like, I also thought what you were saying about like adapting is so true. Like in schools, like teachers adapt to different children's needs, like in learning. Like this is just another form of adapting. Like it's it's almost like it's not even that some people just don't attempt to adapt. It's just like it's it, it can it is possible. Do you know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to say. Like I I did work experience in a crash in primary school, and in the I I thought I would prefer the primary school because I was like, oh the kids are older and it's more structured and blah blah blah. blah. I much preferred the crash because in the crash every single time after like each. I guess like there were short classes, but like um like periods of time when the kids were in, the teachers would sit down and they would discuss the students how they're developing. Like this one was talking about they were talking about this toy, like just discussing the the, the kids and how they needed to adapt like their form of like I suppose teaching. The question is not really teaching, but like making their environment as accessible as possible. Like there was two kids. Um, in the crash I was working at and one was deaf and one um, was mute, like he wouldn't speak. Um, but but I spent a week and I they they kind of laughed on to me and like, I don't know why, maybe I was just quiet or something or that I was younger. Um, but like um, they began to, like, one began to speak like in like very broken English and like they both became like very like chipper and perky. And they were, the teachers were saying like, it's amazing that like, with just the extra time and extra person that was available like that week in the crash like was able to like focus I guess some extra time on people who like needed like that extra attention extra focus and extra time to take with them and how much of improvement that made and obviously like a lot of people are like a lot of schools don't have enough teachers enough resources to like adapt and help students who need that just extra like time or resource put into them and like, it does make such a difference like in schools to have the resources and in every and like in every field have resources like in the music industry to have the resources sources that can just like bring about like a new level of accessibility like to young kids in particular but all people in general yeah and even like with learning styles in general like in secondary school you might get like a chart in your journal about different like ways of studying yeah <laughs> other than that we're kind of all taught the same way and that's not actually as we know how like everyone doesn't learn the same way whereas as I said like even I was like chatting to my mom about when we were in preschool because like kids are so different like I think it's just more obvious like just kind of their personality traits and then it kind of you know people kind of become a bit more similar when they're older um but obviously like how they should be taught it should be like more varied and more suited to person but like in primary or in preschool like I was very quiet but you know the teachers like knew how to handle it because they knew that like if I was one-on-one with people that I like you know did voice my opinions and that I wasn't necessarily shy and it's just interesting like how much they were able to tell my mom about me as an individual person and they still had like 30 people or 30 kids in the class and I think that's that's really interesting because I like obviously I'm sure that secondary school students or teachers be able to do that but they'd more so be able to tell you my grades and how you know which is you know it's just yeah there's there needs to be more I think accessibility and adapt adapting in every field really 
Yeah, like the reason I brought up primary school and I didn't really say why I didn't like go for the crush, but I felt the primary school, it was so structured on like curriculum and not on the individual students as people. It was more like, if you like, do you understand the maths? Oh, okay, well, maybe go over there and like work with a partner or something. Because it was, I mean, the school I went to was like very well like funded and everything. They had enough staff and everything, but it was just the fact that like, it was a class of 36 students with one teacher. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you can't spend as much time, I suppose, on individual like development um when there's like such like a strict curriculum and I think that like she brought up how music can like benefit schools I thought it was so interesting because she said it can one help mental health which is like we've talked about that it's brilliant but two it can also help about learning like when I went to, to my junior start like I learned off my Irish essays by putting them to like songs like music to, like melodies yeah. with, like really catchy songs like the cup song like from Pitch Perfect like I learned off essays by doing that and also like so they can prove focus like when I'm writing an essay like I have to put music on I have to have music on and it's really fast-paced like uh, instrumental music because it makes me like write fast and I think it adds like a flair to like what I'm doing like if I'm doing an English essay like I'll add like some like fancy orchestra and I feel like I'm like more eloquent in what I'm, what I'm saying mm-hmm. and that could just be like a placebo effect but it actually helps and even like shed attention span and like coordination even in sports like that's it is so true like music does teach you coordination and like that translates to so much aspects of your life like I just thought it was so interesting how she made that point that it can like literally benefit so many aspects that you wouldn't think of like it's not like a frivolous like hobby Mm -hmm. it's it's actually like hugely beneficial to like people um I suppose it's interesting as like why we make music in the first place absolutely yeah I think it's interesting because I think what you've all kind of brought up is like I suppose the topic of accessibility within education you know and on one hand there's like you could say you brought up financial accessibility you know, and Amy brought up like financial accessibility in terms of music as well. But, you know, you could say that if you are able to, let's say, send your child um, to private tutorage where it's one on one and someone can focus with your child on how they learn, you know, because I mean, teachers are dealing with massive class groups, you know, I don't know how they cope sometimes in all fairness, you know, and you're trying to know the style of each child and there's a million and one different things going on in every other child's life you know, and that can be very, very difficult to do, you know. Um, and I think it's it's also interesting because I suppose you could say there's the problem of like accessibility within education, again, for like deaf and hard of hearing children, you know, and I think Eve was kind of saying like how music can be a form of communication that absolutely is. But I suppose if your child is deaf or hard of hearing, well, you don't have too many options in terms of communication in schools that don't accommodate that. I mean, you either have to have someone who can interpret with them all day long, or you have to maybe send them to a school that specifically caters to deaf and hard of hearing children, you know, and I've always thought that, I mean, like, now, not that I think Ireland is the best country when it comes to focusing on languages in general, but we do do like at least two languages, Irish and English, and many people will do a third EU language for college, you know, and I've always thought it would be fantastic to bring in sign language as an option, you know, to bring it into primary schools, to bring it into secondary schools, you know. Um, and I think it just widens, it widens the amount, the capacity you have to communicate with people. And it makes the world more accessible, again, to deaf and hard of hearing people if people are able to communicate with sign language, you know. And I think it'd be fantastic if it was, you know. And it's a pity that it isn't really, you know. My yeah, sister's preschool did it. They did basic English or sign language in her preschool. And like they were preschool kids and they could like 
they like picked up pretty fast. And I think it's an option in a lot of fourth year schools. I know it's in my school, like, and I think that's like important, mm-hmm. but like fourth year is like almost like the additional stuff you need to add on, but it won't be helpful to like have that as an actual like subject. Yeah. And because we, I'm in TY now and I'm going to be done and we did um, sign language for like a module, but it wasn't for the full year. Um, so like and even at that I learned you know the alphabet hi hello how are you certain phrases thank you that kind of thing like and I think even if you have the alphabet to be able to spell something out if you really needed to I think that's useful but I think even if we did it in first year or maybe up until junior year I think you'd have a really good like I think you'd really understand an awful lot of sign um and I think that like that would be really, really, really important. And as you said, people do tend to pick it up quite well. And people seemed really like this was something they really wanted when we did it in my class anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Definitely. Because I think there's all these things we take um, for granted um, when you're a hearing person in a world built for hearing people. You know, even things like, I suppose, um, I always think of things like healthcare, you know, and the right to privacy within healthcare. But if um, if you're hard of hearing and your doctor doesn't know sign language, or perhaps if you're hard of hearing and you're not quite able to read lips very well, then you're going to have to bring someone in with you to interpret, you know. Um, so I think there's all those kind of small things, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, um, and I thought it was really interesting as well that you brought up like stereotypes, like the stereotype that deaf people can't do music. Um, and there's so many stereotypes, especially to go with disabilities. Um, but I think like what was really interesting was that to kind of combat that, obviously there's structural tra- changes, but she really brought up representation and like for her, she wanted to play when she was four so she didn't have time to learn about these stereotypes and, you know, think about what the world is telling her. But for so many people, like, you know, even as women, we can be like, kind of, like, almost feel like we can't do something because of what, what we've been told. And I think like that representation of being able to see yourself in, in something is so important. And like, that goes for any marginalized person. Um, that representation is really, really important. And not, I think sometimes people nowadays think that representation means like, okay, one BIPOC person on a panel or something like that. But it's like really meaningful um, representation in like every level so that it, you know, it impa- impacts the output and everything um, and that it's like fair. Um, so I just thought that was like a really interesting, almost kind of like problem and solution that she brought up. And I think it goes for so many things. Yeah. I liked what you said about like how she wanted to be like a musician, not just a violinist. And like how she wanted to like mm. teach and share and like make music accessible and like that was her passion as well like not just music as like music but also like the involvement of others music and like making it accessible and that was just so beautiful like the way she um like talked about like advocating for like those who maybe like didn't have that option like even when she was talking about like her teachers like you asked her like was it hard I suppose and she said like that older she got like the more like confident she got in, like expressing her needs mm. and, like that just comes with like I suppose time but also like knowing like I suppose they're worth like to be able to like be like no I do deserve to be here in this position as much as anyone else does and I can I can do it I can do exactly and I can do amazing things um I just thought she was really inspiring about that 
absolutely yeah um I think that's like a really amazing note to kind of start to wrap up on um but does anyone have any final messages and I realized as we were talking our phone question could have been um like uh, your favorite song at the moment or whatever so (laughs) if you can keep everyone on the spot oh shoot Um, your final message Um, would you final messages first you have a minute I don't message. I just like I I really just loved like her messages. Like she was <laughs> extremely like strong willed, almost like just like go for it. That's what she said about like advice for musicians was to just go for it and like keep practicing. Like that's just goes for everything. Keep going. Keep trying. Keep improving. Keep pushing. I thought that was just a like, important thing to remember. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I always I always think of how impressive it is, I suppose, to strive in a world that isn't necessarily built to suit your needs, you know, and that comes that again, that comes with all types of disabilities, you know, um, and that there's something incredibly, incredibly strong and impressive about that, you know, Um Sorry, you've mentioned song, and that's all that I can think of now. <laughs> I'll yeah. give you a minute. Okay. Empty. <laughs> Is it like a favorite song or a song right now? Or like entirely up to you. Oh my god. Okay, which which would you tell me which one we're going with? Okay, this do you know what I'm gonna say? Okay, I'm just gonna say a song because this is all that can come into my head. <laughs> and I was listening to it last night. Do you guys know Androlin? Yes. loves it. Yeah, the Irish song, oh my God, it's just been stuck in my head, lads, over and over. Do you know what's like the, oh, hey, oh. oh. Not <laughs> that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. Um, um, I don't know what else. Um, Give that Wolf of Banana, Eurovision icon. Um, oh. <laughs> that must be getting quite annoying in your head over and over again. Oh, and one time of hearing that straight through is quite a lot for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of like the da- it's like the Macarena. I love the Macarena ads. You know, I love songs okay. that have dances specifically put to them. Um, <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> I was just like, I thought you were a musician girl. And they were saying, I love these songs, Macarena. And maybe music sounds great. It's the best. Apparently, it's like you can't be denied. <gasps> or Saturday Night Fever. Is that what it's called? Mm. And it's like Saturday Night and the Lights. Yeah, that's oh, the dance. Oh, do you know the ketchup so song? Then. The ketchup song's a bop too. Do you know the, the uh, I said a hey, ha, hey. Oh, guys, I'm going to play this for you afterwards. Um, that's okay, another one. It's got a dance put to it. Uh, <laughs> Amy, what's your favorite song? Favorite song? Um, I, I can never answer that question. So I'm going to say my favorite song at the moment is, what's it called? It's called Unconditional. It's by Arcade Fire. And my dad told me to listen to it because it's, it's like, it just sounds like a song he just, himself and he really likes it so it's really nice so yeah that's my favorite song at the moment because I can I can never say what my favorite song is I know it's so hard to like pick a favorite song like I don't know I have like a few like my all favorite songs but recently I've been listening to Killian Murphy's BBC six radio playlist um no is it a good playlist what is it a good playlist? It's so you know the way like celebrities are loose at radio playlists, like it's like a thing, whatever. Yeah. His is so good. It's so varied. Like it's actually just so good. And I just found his playlist. My friend was at okay, backstory. My friend the other day, I was at a party like a few weeks ago. 
And she was like, oh, you have to listen to the Elliot Smith. And I was like, oh, I might, I might, whatever. But I hate, I can't. People tell me to do things all the time. And I never, ever listen to them. But I was like, I will, I will. So then I went home and I listened to Kelly Murphy's Paris. And who comes up is Elliot Smith. Um, so I actually do really like his songs. Um, he's dead now. But that's who I've been listening to recently what? is Kelly Murphy's Paris, Taylor Swift, Harry Styles' new songs. And um, yeah, my sleep playlist. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on the Taylor Swift one. Just yeah. had the last two albums on repeat. Um, I think it's just because everyone's using it for the like TikTok backing song that I've had Paramore's Hard Times. No, like, Lizzo is always on. In my head. Instagram at the moment. Good. I can't. Yeah, it's so like, I've happy. heard this like a million times. Oh, she was on in mass class the other day and everyone just started singing. So it makes me so happy. Like when I went to TikTok and the song was up, I just like dance. It's just so good. It's just like you can't not dance. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. I think we could go on about this for the next like. Yeah, what a note to end on. And Gabby, do you want to count us out? We'll do our count out, guys. Um, okay, Kakler, Gapina, Lanakela, Ahin, Ado, Atri. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. Also, you can read the entire transcript of every episode in the link to our Google Drive, which you can find on our Instagram. Once again, online youth information chat is live from 4pm to 8pm, Monday to Friday at ymca-ireland.net slash question or find YMCA at YI Young Voices. Every second Thursday we will release a new episode, but for now, slán! <laughs>